Hi, I'm Nathan Riley, the Holistic OBGYN. I knew that I wanted to change the maternity care model in the United States from early in residency training. I have now ventured out of the corporate medical space entirely to lend my support to this task. This podcast is a 501c3 and will feature important voices in the women's healthcare space, as well as present a more holistic approach to meeting the healthcare needs of women. If we want to see lasting structural change, then it's critical that we empower women to reclaim their vitality rather than merely treating their disease. We also need to support the reinstatement of the midwifery care model as the standard. Midwives, doulas, mothers, fathers, women, and witches, you have my support. Now on with the podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Holistic OBGYN. This is the second time that I've recorded with my friend Cliff Oliver. He was generous enough to try it again. We didn't get the full audio recording on my end because of Zoom's probably got some glitch in its system. I'm going to blame Zoom. I'm not going to blame me. I'm not going to blame, certainly not Dr. Cliff. But um, yeah, we're doing another three things interview here. And Dr. Cliff and I became quick friends recently. I'll, I'll let him introduce himself and how he uh, how we got to know each other. But uh, Dr. Cliff, you're a, a, a chiropractor and you have a wide variety of other skills and, um, and accolades. So I'll let you have the honors that the floor is yours. How do we know each other and, and tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Okay. Um, yeah. How did we get to know each other? That's a, a good story in itself. <laughs> so we're at uh, Paul Check's 60th birthday. Yeah. And uh, lots of people there. I think some of the healthiest people, if not the healthiest people in the world, were gathered there. Lots Gosh, of yeah. kids, just super yeah. healthy and wandering around meeting people who I've seen in years and years. And uh, then new faces yeah. and then sitting down at the eating area. And then uh, I think you sat down across from me and I was with some of the other folks who had been documenting his journey. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I think we instantly hit it off and I would say kindred spirits. Yeah. And I love that word from Anne of Green Gables, one of my favorites. Uh, yeah. Kindred yeah. Spirits. It's like you just instantly know that that person is uh, important in your life and that there's some sort of bond there. Yeah, totally. It was one of those things where it's like, man, if there was a campfire, we would be out all night just chatting yeah. around the campfire. Absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you already, without knowing it, are sort of a mentor for me because you know a lot of people that have gone the journey uh, along the, the path that I'm on right now. And you met them very early on and you've seen where their careers go. And you offered me so much inspiration that day that it was like, gosh, this is a guy that just gets it and gets me. And I feel very fortunate to be your friend. Great. Um, and professionally, professionally, you are a chiropractor and you're still practicing. Is that right? Correct. Correct. Two days a week, a little right. less time than I used to. Right Mainly on. online now. And I used to have a big clinic and a big medical center for mm-hmm. many, many years. I think 30 years, something like that. Yeah, the last six, seven years have been uh, home office with mainly online, mainly yeah. doing health coaching to people anywhere from Australia to to Europe and uh, everywhere in between. Yeah, yeah, pretty much the whole world has access to you now, and yeah. in the digital age, and and with what people like me and you talk to talk to our clients and patients about, like it's not rocket science. It's it's how to eat well. It's how to move well. It's how to 
to relate well and everything else, you know, it's not stuff that, <laughs> you know, what Paul, Paul always says is like, you can buy my book or you can pay me a bunch of money every hour to go through the book with you. It's up to you. But, yeah. but, but I, I'm getting lots of clients as well that are like, I've tried and I've, I, you know, it's, it is easy, easier said than done to put a lot of that stuff into practice. So I'm, I'm glad people are still finding you and, and getting to work with you. Yeah. I often call it the horse to water syndrome. You, know, you can <laughs> lean right. a horse to water, but getting them to drink. And that's kind of the art of what we're doing. I think to a large yeah. degree is yeah. finding out where the, the roadblocks are in their journey mm -hmm. and then helping them to unlock those roadblocks or to see it in a different way so that it makes sense to them and they can actually make the changes that are going to get them to where they want to go. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I have a, a client on the East coast, a brilliant photographer. We've talked about this for 20 plus years, probably 25 years, mm. you know, and he has lots of people who take his classes and follow him and, they all want to know how did he get so healthy? I mean, he was a diabetic. He was, you know, had heart disease and he, had, it was a mess. I mean, he was on a road to quick death and, uh, you know, he, we bonded, hooked up and, you know, shared my stories, you know, with him, how to do it. He made a health basics file and it's grown and grown over the years, right? Yeah. Oh gosh, this about breathing and this about emotions and sure. biocadian on and on. And then he offers to give that to people. You know, the health basics file. And it's amazing how many people never make it through reading it, yeah. let alone trying to implement it. So it's uh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. yeah and, and even for those of us who are, you know, quote, healthy individuals, it's it's a constant learning process. It's a constant co course correction. You know, it's right. it's not prescriptive. It's a it's it's really a way of being. And um and so that's why I'm I'm so happy to share you with my audience. I, I think you bring so much to the conversation. And by the way, when people say that they are holistic lifestyle coaches, Dr. Cliff also co-developed the holistic lifestyle coaching program with Paul Check. That that what I don't know, ten thousand people have probably at least taken HLC one. If not, I mean, I, I'm probably underestimating there by a lot. But uh, so you have walked the walk, my friend, and. Um, not just talk the talk. And uh, I'm really fortunate to be in touch with you. Great. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's awesome to see those little ripples out there. Yeah, you totally. Know, you get a, totally. a text all of a sudden or email or whatever from somewhere who you didn't even know you connected with. Sure. And all of a sudden he has his mother who needs, you know, some guidance. And then all of a sudden you're back in touch with him. So these ripples go out and out. Right? Mm. They just mm -hmm. constantly going out into and meeting up with people. I have several clients and ex-students in Melbourne right now. And those who are listening in, if they're aware of what's going on in Melbourne, it's a oh, yeah. disaster. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. Disaster is an understatement. Yeah. Um, well, great. You know, speaking of, you mentioned breath. Why don't we start with a big, giant, deep breath together? I'll let you guide it. And uh, then we'll, we'll pass the ball to you and get into our big question. How about that? Okay. Sounds Let's good. Do it. So... On three, uh, let's take a nice big breath in, hold it for a few seconds, and then as we let it out, we feel it release our whole body mm -hmm. all the way down to our toes, so we can feel our toes relaxing, our body relaxing, and uh, we'll be back together. Yeah, so let's three. do it. So three, two, one. And talk about the great reset. 
big giant deep breath really really there's <laughs> so much to that i mean how often do we really breathe deeply even when i was working out in the yard today i don't know if i took a single deep breath and right uh, wow it really cleans me out so thank yeah, you yeah I, I like to supercharge it a little bit with a yawn sigh so like a Oh, <sighs> and that really gets it <laughs> shifting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Dr. Dr. Cliff, um, same question I, for you as I have for everybody. And, um, and that is what are three things you want the world to know about caring for women? Um, so let, let me get in. I, I, I came up with three items and they kind of relate to stories in my life. Mm. And so I'm going to relate these items to our listening audience through stories of events that occurred to me and how they interplayed with women in my life. And I think it'll give a little bit of a window of how I think to relate with, join with, and uh, help yeah. yeah, with them. So I think the first one I'm going to jump in on, it kind of goes back the furthest, is compassion. So compassion as a way of interfacing with women, being with women, and how this was taught to me in a big way was when I was in the army, I had the unfortunate instance of having to need some abdominal surgery for a ruptured appendix, and it didn't go well. So I'm in the army, it didn't go well, had complications, hemorrhaging, and I ended up in the hospital for a long time, like 13 months and three days. And early on wow. in the hospital setting, I'm being cared for by corpsmen, not nurse women nurses, but corpsmen. And uh, they were not particularly compassionate. In fact, I have a strong memory of trying to walk down the hallway as you're trying to get mobile again after this surgery event. And they're grabbing me by my hair to try and get me to stand up. Mm. So I would call that the antithesis of uh, compassion. Mm -hmm. Well, eventually I ended up in uh, the Presidio on a ward with people coming back from Vietnam with open wounds and about to be amputated. It was a horrifying miss. And from there I ended up in the VA hospital in Long Beach. And I'm in a room with about five other um, people. So I was still in the military at that time. And I was about, geez, maybe nine, 10 months into my little adventure, actually more than that, like 10 or 11 months into it. And in comes a nurse and she's in charge of this ward, in charge of this group of these five gentlemen. And she takes it upon herself to take care of each one of those people compassionately. She came connected to me and brought me back from, I, I'm just calling it the living dead, and got me back into an enthusiastically involved with life. And she did that through getting me to join an educational group and to interface with people, to get out on the weekend, to go visit my family. And she did that compassionately. Mm. Not that she had to do that, but it was taking it upon herself to have that embracement of the life force in me to see it come back to life. Mm. And just as a little aside on that, um, the next story I'm going to tell is a bit about creativity. And uh, one of the things she had me do was learn shorthand. And shorthand, I mean, I had no idea anything about it other than the name of it. But in shorthand, you do 
scriptive type of work. Now, looking back on it years later, that's very integrative to the brain. Oh, yeah. Right? This type of motion and movement. Sure. And Betty sure. Edwards talked about it that a lot about that in her book, Drawing on the Right Side of Your Brain. Um, so that scriptive process was another big part. I mean, unbeknownst to any of us in helping me to regain that. But what's happened in this compassion field, um, I have so many friends and clients in the nursing field. And, oh, just back up just a second. So her dedication to that, when I went back to the university to uh, get my degree, I started back in um, architecture, naval architecture. And I was on the San Diego State uh, sailing team. We won the national championship at Annapolis. But I didn't resonate with the field at all. And what I did was I changed my major and went back to nursing. And I actually have a bachelor of science in nursing mm -hmm. because of this lady's impact on my life. So um, I've been a RN career licensed all up until the last two years um, in California. So oh, no kidding. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I've crossed over to both sides of the field. In fact, I used to teach a lot of classes at the University of California uh, in career alternatives for nurses to help them move away from a field wow. that has got yeah. less and less compassionate and has become more dogmatically, mm -hmm. technocratically involved where they have very little, if any, patient impact. Mm. Um, I had the unfortunate instance of needing my gallbladder out earlier this year. And in a week in the hospital, I didn't have any nurse at all come in and share any time with me. Not a single one. Hmm. It, it was amazing to me. So the field, unfortunately, has moved away from what I think is one of the most valuable aspects of it. And then we see what's happening today with mandates. And I have all sorts of nurses who are applying for exemptions. Yeah. And I don't know if they didn't get them. But uh, so compassion, that's my number one um, advice. Be yeah. compassionate too. Um, that also brings up a, an interesting point. Some of your listeners might know Tony Robbins and mm -hmm. his work with helping people to move above and beyond their current state of affairs. Right. Used a lot of that's based on the work of NLP, that's neural linguistic programming. And well. in that program, they talk about one of the aspects, one of the skills you want to learn to be a good practitioner is what they call matching and mirroring and that mm. means matching and mirroring that means if i'm sitting here talking with you i'm going to kind of move your way and cross my hands and then breathe with, with you i'm going to connect with you hey guys i hope you're enjoying this awesome conversation wanted to tell you quickly about my collaborator program this program is for midwives doulas docs birth educators coaches whoever i am inviting anybody who works with women to enroll into this program for a monthly fee. And the way that it works is, let's say on Monday, you've got a patient who has some fertility issues despite working with them through an in-depth functional nutrition program. They're still unable to get pregnant. You want some insight from an OBGYN. You want me to review labs, imaging, etc. It's a great opportunity. Then on Tuesday, you've got a patient who, uh, let's say you're a midwife and you're caring for a, a birthing person who just got some ultrasound re reports and you want to know, hey, is this still a person that that you know should be considered a good candidate for home birth, for example. Um, I'll give you recommendations, I'll give you insight, I'll even tell you what I would do 
right? And then Wednesday, you might have a completely different question. So this is a way to keep your patients out of the conventional model if desired and keep them on track for home birth if that's what they desire. Um, or it may just help you better support them if they have to go in for a C-section or whatever else. So there's going to be two levels. There's going to be the silver level, which will allow you that access if you want to go for the gold level. The gold level will include a weekly live Q&A video conference peer review session with all gold level members, including me. Um, and you're going to find some of the nation's best midwives there. And the opportunity here is that we're all engaged in a, an hour-long conversation. It will be recorded. If you miss it, you can check it out later through the website. And we're going to be able to post questions and as a group discuss and, and sort of, I don't know, collaborate together as to how to best manage and answer those questions. Um, and of course, I'll be there to provide the allopathic OBGYN insight as well. So, um, so that's my collaborator program. When you lock in a, a rate, a monthly fee, that fee will never change for you. Although I will say that the price of this program is probably going to go up as I've had increasing numbers of people reaching out and super interested. So check it out. All the details will be at BelovedHolistics.com. And you can send me questions through the website as well if you need any further clarification. And I think that just about does it. Let's get back to the conversation. And if we did that in a compassionate way, what a profound impact with it yeah. we would have. Yeah. And then as we move more in today's modern science and we look at the work of polyvagal theory and we look at that work of Stephen Porges and he talks about resonating and co-regulating safety. And the only way we can do that is by listening, hearing, our intonation, our voice, our facial structure, how we interplay with it. So he's break it, broken it down even further what that actually is. And yet in society, they were masking and we're covering up. We can't hear our voices. We can't interconnect. We can't match and mirror. We can't co-regulate and we can't feel safe. Mm -hmm. And for mm -hmm. me, nurses, nursing, women help bring that back yeah. given the opportunity. So yeah. I would love to see that. Yeah, I mean, a good a good nurse, and you know, a nurse can be anybody. I, I, you know, anybody in a hospital, in in any walk of life, when you interact with anybody, that mirroring is really, really important. And and even in like a hospital setting, which to me, being in a hospital does not feel like a place of healing any longer. And it has nothing yeah. to do with COVID. That just made things worse. But we were already heading. We have a whole generation of nurses who are trained basically to just check items off of a list right. and do the orders or or. Uh, act out the orders of some, you know, supervising doctor or whoever's the charge nurse or whoever else, or it could even just be somebody, a hospital administrator or something like that. And, and, you know, when you, when you just have a checklist, like Atul Gawande wrote a book called The Checklist Manifesto, and it was really, he's a coming from a surgical oncology world. Yeah. You don't want to cut out the wrong, cut into the wrong part of the body or something like that. So we have these timeouts before surgery like perhaps that does make sense but if you're in just caring for it whether it's your partner your daughter or whatever else it's not a checklist it's not things that need to be done it's really it's really presence and connection that provide the therapy the healing and right. um and a good nurse does that naturally you know it's yeah. just a part of their uh, makeup absolutely when i was uh in the nursing program was in the early 70s at san diego state um, algorithms came into being. And algorithms were like 
If this, yes, if this, no, that, 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 check, check box until you mm. end up at a diagnosis or whatever. So this algorithm type of situation started taking the, the connection and the integration and the whole expression away from that process. It was pretty dramatic. It yeah. was uh, yeah. kind of frightening when you see how that evolved into machines and, you know, taking notes on a computer and, um, again, back to this recent episode I had in the hospital with his gallbladder, we had a uh, takeover of the hospital system. They got hacked. And so they had no access to computers or anything. And they had to go back to note taking. Nobody knew how to function. I mean, you couldn't even get a lab test from the lab to the ward to the yeah. whatever. The yeah. doctors were running around, wait, let me put a film up. <laughs> yeah. It was wild. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so they had to actually go back to connecting. You know, they had to actually go back and take a blood pressure, do something where it was hands-on. Sure. Uh, another one on this, I was also quite involved with the American Holistic Nurses Association. And we had a huge active group here in San Diego in the 90s. And I was on the board of that for several years. And our big modality was healing touch. Healing touch. Actually mm. go in and be in the presence of a person, co-regulating with that person and energizing them. And I don't mean energizing like caffeinating them or whatever. It was like bonding energetically with this person to make them feel safe and take them out of a high stress mode into, I call it a vagal state, ventral vagal state. But really that's a healing state, right? It's in a repair state. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. And then because of hospital situations and changes in, you know, 2000s, that group sort of fell apart. Yeah. So they couldn't get the support because they couldn't do the work. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. that's, yeah, that's, that, that's a part of slow medicine. Victoria Sweet wrote a book called Slow Medicine, and uh, she's a Pulitzer Prize winning author and her books are great. So I'll link that in the show notes in addition to the, the hundred great. different references you and I just shared, <laughs> right. but the, right. uh, the concept, the basic concept of slow medicine is we, you know, we run into the hospital, we've got 20 patients to see. We start with the lab studies, the reports from the radiologist, the, uh, you know, any other imaging things that are awaiting, uh, urine output and vital signs. We do all that stuff. We create a plan before we even go in to see the patient. I had a neurology attending when I was in medical school say, Hey, listen, when, when in doubt, go and go and talk to the patient. And like, lo and behold, that, that, that exchange in and of itself is therapeutic, just being still and being present, sitting on the bed, holding their hand, really connecting with them. And that can't really be done all that well with a mask and a face shield and your Darth no. Vader hazmat suit. But uh, that's a different conversation for a yeah. it's a time. It's a dramatic <laughs> change. And it's a, yeah. it's a very sad one. And there's, I know lots of nurses, I have some in the Midwest, uh, we're trying to bring healing touch into that community in, in Omaha, Nebraska. Yeah. And it's a hard sell. It's a hard to get yeah. them to move in that direction because they're now so locked into this other model. I mean, it's right. so left brain. Right. Um, right. Yeah. And that, that takes us into your second point, really. Uh, it was something, if I recall, it was something about encouraging creativity and right brain thinking. Right. Right. So, right. so and jump right in with that one. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Let, why don't we elaborate point two? Um, yeah. So you're, point you're talking two is, on it. Yeah. Point two is creativity. And so I think that was a good segue. And uh, what I wanted to talk about was the creative, you know, women tend to be way more creative. I teach an iPhone photography course at the 
Amsterdam. It's a 120-year-old music and arts library. And probably 80 plus percent of the people taking that class are women. They tend to be more engaged in creativity. They have tend to have more creative outputs in their life. Um, but creativity is an interesting skill. And how does that come about in our lives? And lots of people have written about this. And one of the reasons I like like the Steiner School system, which is called Waldorf, usually in this country, is that they teach kids not to read before age seven. Right. And part of that reading is learning to be very linear, right? A, B, C, D. It's like ducks in a row, but it doesn't leave a lot of room for creativity in those ducks in a row. We learn A, B, C, then cat, dog, and it's a very linear and it makes us very left brain dominant. Mm -hmm. And as a society, that left brain dominance may not serve us well in being able to see the whole picture. Yeah. Yeah, and I love the work of Fahimi, Les Fahimi wrote the books, uh, The Open Focus Brain. And in there he talks about when we learn this left brain activity, we become very dogmatic about how we pay attention. And he calls a very objectively narrow, objective paying attention. So like A, B, C, so narrowly objective on that. And that's highly stressful. When we, especially when we have to concept shift, go from this to that, to that, to that, and we're paying attention. And his antithesis or opposite of that, or another way, which he considers a better way, is the open focus brain, which is where we're diffusely immersed in the moment. Does that sound like mindfulness? Diffusely sure immersed in the moment. And he came up with this like 50 years ago and started doing studies on it and writing books uh, in the last, I think, 15 years or something about it on pain, how we perceive pain and how we pay attention. Powerful stuff. And it yeah. makes mindfulness always make sense. It also brings to mind like a flow state, right? Like the, the exactly. stealing exactly. fire, I think, is uh, Jamie Wheels, one of his books that the, the, the the, the um, living in that flow state, if you can maximize your time in that flow state, really that is a completely open creative process. Whether you're getting it while skydiving or rock climbing or just creating something on a canvas, right. you get into that space. You don't want to stop painting. You just want to dance and put color to canvas. Right. There is therapy there. I mean, it's a huge part I know of of, of what you teach your patients. And I know what Paul actually has even gotten me into is painting. Right. It's like, and if I don't, I know everything gets bound up in my pelvis and my lower chakras are all out of whack. And, you know, just by create, by, by uh, being given permission to create, right. there's actually a flow of energy through me and through the people I'm in connection with and my, my relationship with my wife and my daughter. And so, um, so yeah, so, so to your second point, how does this impact your engagement with your your female patients and clients? Like, how do you how do you actually convince them or or sell them on this idea that hey, right. we we need to stimulate some creative expression here? Yeah, so I like to tell them a little story of what happened uh, in one of my teaching uh, adventures. So I used to go over to England quite a bit to teach the HLC programs, and I would stay at a hotel in the south of England in uh, Eastbourne. And it was this giant, old, amazing hotel. It was, I mean, it was like two city blocks long. Wow. It was over a hundred years old, big, long hallways. But down below at the, at the bottom in the kind of basement area outdoors, they had an indoor-outdoor pool. And I was usually there in colder weather, so the indoor pool. So I'd go down the pool and 
first time I'm there, I go down the jacuzzi and in the swimming pool, there was a class going on. It was a water aerobics class. So this class is being taught and there's a little girl in the hot tub. So she and I were the only ones and then we start chatting. She's probably four years old. And it turns out her mother is a ballerina for the Royal Ballet and she's down teaching water aerobics to get money, extra money for things for her child. Wow. And so we have this great conversation. I meet her mother, just a wonderful, you know, interaction. And then the next time I'm there, probably a year later, they're back again. She's teaching aerobics, little girls in the hot tub. We chatted up and, you know, what's going on here? What's happening in California? You know, it's a great bonding. The third year I'm back there, I'm sitting there and the little girl's not there, but the mom's teaching aerobics. So after she gets done with the class, I go up and ask what happened to her daughter. She described to me her daughter had to stay home and practice because her lettering, her writing was not in the boxes. And she needed to learn to write in the boxes. So here's this little girl, probably six years old, I'm going to guess. And she needs to stay home and can't go with her mom to the play in the jacuzzi, in the pool at this beautiful grand hotel because she's got to learn to write in the boxes. So if you could just imagine, go back to the open focus brain, it's now being shut down, right? So there it starts. People always ask, well, when did it start? Well, when you had to stand up straight and hold your tummy in. Oh, that's when you stopped breathing. Oh, yes. Oh, oh, and, oh, and I mashed the mirror. My parents who don't breathe well at all. They all, oh, my gosh. But the, back to that creativity. So it's so important. This open focus brain is your left brain, right brain. They're interconnected. You're able to find a way out of the dilemmas you're in or a way to create, create creativity something different in your life, even if it's in the moment. You know, I often give the example, if you're fly fishing and you're in this open focus state, you're in this creative state, you're sitting there and you're so immersed in nature, you don't know where time went, right? Three hours go by, four hours, and you're just out there, totally immersed in the moment. You're not thinking about the news, whatever's going on in the, in the world. Powerful state. So. I try actively to get my clients to do that. Even if it's dancing around with a cooking dinner, even if it's singing a song. So I try and find out what modality is comfortable for them and then help them start expressing it again. Yeah. It was at this point in the conversation that I realized that Zoom was cutting off my audio while continuing to re record Dr. Cliff's audio and so we actually don't have the rest of the interview today to share with you. It's a cliffhanger. And um, my deepest apologies to my audience and to Dr. Cliff for that. Sometimes the universe works in mysterious ways, and that's just how it worked this time. So appreciate you for listening, and I will see you next time on The Holistic OBGYN. Take care. Thank you so, so much for listening to today's episode. Um, I'm so glad you're here and in alignment with our mission here at the Holistic OBGYN. We are a 501c3. We work by donations. So if you'd like to make a donation, go to belovedholistics.com. You'll also be able to find out more information about um, today's guest and anything else that was mentioned on the show. You can also find out more information about the collaborator program that I mentioned earlier. 
And again, whether you're a midwife, a doula, a birth educator, a lactation specialist, an, o- an OBGYN, a- an MD from another specialty, if you need help and support from an allopathic and also holistic-minded OBGYN who's got training in a whole other bunch of stuff we never learned in medical school, please come and find me on the website for a very reasonable monthly fee. You'll be able to interact with me anytime you need some support in the field. And if you want to join the gold level, you'll also have some help with prescriptions. You'll have some help from other people in the space, other midwives, other holistic lifestyle practitioners um, through our weekly live video recorded peer review sessions. I'll of course be there and I'll be able to give him my insight, but more importantly, we're gonna be holding space for the midwifery model of care and all of the beautiful attributes and contributions that the many great midwives in our country have made to this field and and should continue to make and, and lead in this space. That does it for today. We will see you next time here on the Holistic OBGYN. Take care.